Hello, this is Brian Leach, the CEO of Unboxed Training and Technology. Welcome to our podcast today. I am so excited to have Lacey Thompson here with me. Lacey is the Director of Learning and Innovation here at Unboxed. And Lacey, we are going to talk about action-oriented learning. I'm so excited, and thank you for coming. Yeah, I can't wait. Thank you all for having me. We're excited to have you. And action-oriented learning, Lacey, it sounds very scary to me, but what is it, and what am I doing, and how uh, does this apply to our space of learning? Sure. So, yeah, let's let's get right into it. You know, here at Unboxed, we've teased one of our other founders, Dave, for years about being an activator. Whenever Dave gets an idea, it's like, oh, watch out. The activator strength is kicking in. Um, but all that really means is that he is going, about to get something done. He's not just going to talk about it. He's going to go and do it. And that's really what action-oriented learning focuses on. It's that same principle. How can we help learners transfer their knowledge, their ideas, or new skills into real action? And and even better than that, into repeatable actions that transform their daily on-the-job activities and ultimately really make them better performing, happier employees. That's exciting. And I assume that they can measure this and self-correct along the way, too. Yeah, absolutely. The idea of measurability is tied really closely to action-oriented learning. That's great. Why might a company consider this type of learning over some of the traditional methods that we use? Action-oriented learning builds on the best of traditional methods out there. You know, if you're struggling to measure the success of your training programs or maybe you're starting to get frustrated that the knowledge and skills that you've been training on, pouring all this money into, you're not really seeing the success that you want or the business results that you want, this method really could be for you. That's exciting. So how does action-oriented learning change the way we train? Yeah, I mean, this is really about giving learners as many opportunities as possible to not only participate in interactive training, although that's a part of it, um, but to actually transfer their skills to the real world. Um, You know, it's important to note that this means more than just practice. So practice is a really valuable part of learning, but at the end of the day, it still takes place in this simulated environment. You know, we want to move beyond that simulation into reality. Um, There are many ways that you can do that, and one of the most successful ways we've found is by flipping the established paradigm on its head. For years, most training programs have invested a lot of time and money in the upfront phase of knowledge acquisition. So maybe if there's a problem, an L&D team might feel pressured to create a training solution really quickly, you know, like yesterday, get it done, just get it out there. And as a result, they pour a lot of effort into creating maybe like an e-learning or an instructor-led training, but they often fail to follow up or put actionable opportunities in place to help learners sustain that learning Mm. in a continuous way. Um, So our goal is really to pay just as much attention, if not more, to the sustainment strategies than to the initial knowledge acquisition phase. Um, But, you know, Brian, we found that this isn't really – this isn't always easy for clients to understand. You know, proper sustainment and follow-up can be an afterthought. It's like, oh, yeah, we got the training out there. It was a big success. Now what? We forgot to plan for that, or maybe we ran out of budget for that. Um, Mm. So what we want to do is help folks really change their way of thinking by understanding how critical sustainment really is. Yeah. Well, it's it's great that you say that because the sustainment is what really helps drive that skill or behavior change over Mm -hmm. time. And so what you're really describing is an intentional plan Mm -hmm. to build in um, action-oriented learning that really helps that learner uh, get better over time. Yeah, absolutely. uh, Being very intentional with our approach. Mm -hmm. And it fits in really nicely with Mm -hmm. on-the-job learning, um, I think, 
much has been said about that. But once again, you know, in our experience working with Fortune 500 companies, the actual practice of on-the-job learning is very difficult to put in place, um, especially for the larger organizations. So we want to help them do that. You know, if I'm listening today, I may be like, wow, Lisa, you just described the problem in my company. So, <laughs> you know, how can action-oriented learning be incorporated maybe into existing training that I already created? Mm-hmm. Or maybe, or can it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it absolutely can. And one key in, in order for action-oriented learning to be successful is that you build in support from leadership. So if leadership isn't there along the way, supporting and advocating for this more continuous approach and for actual better performance from their employees, you've really failed before you've begun. You know, you're, you're belly up already. Um, and so what we want to do is, is start to ask ourselves We've been asking ourselves this already as we evaluate our, our current training products as well as training programs that we've created for clients in the past. I'm thinking, what can we do today? Even if we have a product that's inherently more passive, so say just a simple video or an e-learning course, one easy way to update it is to come um, up with creative ways for people to put what they've learned into action. Mm. This is more than just a confirmation of learning. So typically, you know, in the past, maybe you you watch a video and you get a quiz follow-up, but we want to do more than that. You know, one important thing to keep in mind is that action-oriented learning really requires a mindset shift. Yeah. You know, and, and you need to challenge your instructional designers to think differently. You don't have all the answers. You don't have to have all the answers yourself. I mean, I certainly don't, and this is something that we're continuously exploring. But what I do want to do is give our teams a shared language and a common lens from which to view their work. So I want them asking themselves questions like, have I provided an opportunity for the learner to take a concrete action that actually helps them transfer their learning to their daily work? Mm. Yeah, and sometimes I would imagine as learning experts, the assessment's great because we can see the, the, the result where you're really talking about that human interaction mm-hmm. <clears throat> with me and my uh, manager in this situation, just trying to uh, r- really put into practice what I learn or being able to self-reflect or mm-hmm. do things that um, help me continuously get better. And so I would imagine that that can also be uncomfortable because there's a level of trust that has to be really delegated out mm-hmm. um, in, in that scenario. Yeah, absolutely. How does it impact the way assessments are made in learning? Great question. So an assessment can certainly be considered an action, but I would argue only if it's measurable. That means not just how did I do on this quiz, but how did I do on this quiz in comparison to how I could have done before I took my training. Mm. So we found the most successful assessments really take this into account. We establish a baseline and then we measure growth instead of just a passing grade. Um, To make an assessment like this even more impactful, we think about how to provide personalized recommendations, you know, based upon a learner's results. What can they go and do next to keep improving and to be able to really continue to apply those key knowledge and skills to their day-to-day? Makes a lot of sense. You know, I think about this, um, and this is bigger than just learning. I Mm -hmm. I would, you know, want to ask, how does this fit into the global business landscape in general, as you think about action-oriented learning? Yeah, I think it's an approach that um, has a lot of wide effects. You know, I'd really argue that action-oriented learning is essential to today's business landscape. We know, we hear this all the time, that training budgets are the first thing to go, you know, so it's more important than ever that your training has an actual ROI. Um, And one way we can do this is by making it easier for organizations 
to upskill and reskill their people to fit the changing needs of the market. Um, and they need to do so in a way that they're not just checking a box, like, okay, we've accomplished our training, but they're really equipping um, and empowering their employees to do their jobs better. Um, also, you know, when we think about emerging technologies like artificial intelligence, we know that human skills like empathy, decision-making, and strategic thinking are more valuable than they have been in the past, and, and we want to help employees master those skills through intentional, actionable opportunities to use them and prove. Absolutely. That's exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. It's a whole new way of thinking. You know, so uh, I have one more question. Mm-hmm. I know. Thank you so much for being uh, patient with all of my questions. But mm-hmm. as companies, um, you know, are listening today and our clients are listening, what can they do today to move towards a more action-oriented training methodology? I mean, if I'm listening to this podcast and I'm going to get to work, what can I do mm-hmm. differently just to, to start getting off the edge of the pool and putting this into practice? Sure. I think it's important to start with some self-reflection and analysis and really be able to be honest with yourself about how successful your programs have been in the past. Even if you don't have quantitative data in every case, and, and you may not, um, you can start to think about and gauge whether you've been hearing maybe the same complaints again and again, like, my people don't know how to handle change. They're not comfortable with ambiguity. They don't know how to communicate appropriately. If you hear that and you've already trained on it, you need to ask yourself, is the training effective? Is it working? Um, And if you find that in some cases it's not, and it's not impacting your people to to the degree that you'd like, go back into those programs, start to brainstorm ways to establish a strategic plan for sustainment. Um, You can start by thinking about how to provide continuous learning opportunities, maybe peer mentorship, and, of course, leadership support um, take you to the next step. In order for this not to feel overwhelming, just start small. Think about one action that you can take today to get started. Lacey, I'm sure there's going to be a future podcast on best practices around um, Mm -hmm. action-oriented learning. I can can feel it coming. You've got me really excited and interested in it, and I know that this is a philosophy we've adopted here at Unboxed, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, to your point, I know it's changed the way we think about learning, Mm -hmm. how we build curriculums, and it has to be very intentional. So thank you so much for sharing today. It's been awesome to talk about this, and uh, I look forward to having you back in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for your time. I'm excited to talk about this, and can't wait for next time when we can share some more specific examples of ways we're using this with clients. Um, and also creative ways that our own team here has interpreted what an action can be within a training program. Fantastic. This has been Brian Leach and Lacey Thompson from Unbox Training and Technology. Thank you for joining us today. 